Hey, Surf City. Happy Sunday. I am so glad to be spending today with you. Virtually, of course, but man, it is so good to be in church today. Listen, uh, If you don't know who I am, my name is Emma Richardson. I'm one of the lead pastors at Slate Church in Waterloo, Ontario, and we just love your church and your pastors so much. I have the privilege of pastoring together with my husband, Brandon Richardson, and we get to pastor with Luke and Victoria Betger, and it is just so much fun. It's a great time. We love building church. We hope that you love it too. And listen, I'm excited to speak to you today and come to you in the midst of your Mind Over Mood series and having victory over mental health specifically. You know, I'm a pastor, I'm a mom, we have three little kids, uh, Kenzie, who is four now, Theo, who is two, and Claire, who is uh, just turned one year old. So our hands and our hearts and our house uh, is totally full of diapers and craziness and sleepless nights, but it's a lot of fun uh, doing what we get to do. But I'm also a psychotherapist. So uh, mental health and this conversation is something that's really important to me, something that's really important in this season, but really in any season to be talking about. But before I jump into scripture, before I jump into what we're going to talk about today, I want to give honor where honor is due. Because let me tell you, you have some of the best lead pastors really anywhere, bar none. Andrew and Chantel, we love you so much. We love your family. We love what you are building. We love the type of people that you are. We love that we can text you and call you anytime and you guys are there. We love your church and we love uh, your friendship. So listen, send a text to Chantel and Andrew right now. Just give them so much love uh, because they really are amazing. We are so thankful for them. We love them. We know that you love them. So why don't you just like flood their phone wherever they're at right now and uh, just show them some love of what uh, what you are expecting for today and how much you appreciate them. Does that sound good? Awesome. Well, listen, if you have your Bible with you today, I'm just going to read one verse. All right. So not a long passage. Trek with me here, but you can flip over to 2 Timothy chapter 1. And as I said, just one verse, verse 7. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. I don't usually use this version of scripture, but I just love how this particular verse is phrased and where we're going to be landing for today. It says this, God has not given you a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I love that verse today, church. And listen, if you're taking notes, you can entitle this message, Weed That Garden. Does that sound good? All right, why don't we pray to get started here and we are going to dive right in. God, I thank you so much that we get to gather here, that we get to come around your word and learn about who you are and what you have to say to us. Jesus, I just pray that you would speak through me in a powerful way today, God. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, listen, there were two letters written to Timothy. You know, Paul wrote two letters to Timothy in the New Testament, and Timothy was really someone that Paul cared a lot about. He he was a co-worker, but it was like a brotherly love between Paul and Timothy. And the verse that we find ourselves in today is, is really uh, in the second letter that Paul wrote to Timothy. It's at the, at the start of the second letter. And although there were two letters written, they were written from different 
context. The first letter that Paul writes to Timothy, Paul is in uh, house arrest. So he is still under persecution. He's still not able to go freely and share the gospel. And he's trying to encourage Timothy. He's trying to pour into him. But in the second letter, we see a little bit more of a dire situation. You know, scholars believe that 2 Timothy was written around 64 AD to 67 AD, somewhere in that zone. And Paul at this time was no longer in house arrest. He was actually very likely in, in a dungeon, in, in a, a, a really difficult, challenging prison. It would not have been a good situation for Paul. He would have been persecuted like a common criminal. And you know, what was happening during this time was that Christians everywhere were actually being persecuted to a whole nother level. You see, Emperor Nero uh, was was over Rome at this time. And Emperor Nero was absolutely crazy. I just want to be honest here. He was he was a bit deranged when it came to the way that he led and the way that he persecuted Christians. At one point, Emperor Nero set Rome literally on fire and watched it burn because he didn't want anything to exist past him. He wanted to destroy. If he was going to go out, he was going to destroy everything in the process. But then, of course, people rose up and they didn't like that too much, that, uh, that he was burning everything down. So he decided to blame the Christians. And that opened up a whole new door for persecution and opened up a whole new opportunity for him to really uh, be absolutely horrible, horrendous acts towards Christians. Like we're talking taking people, sewing them in the skins of animals and letting dogs attack. We're talking lighting uh, uh, Christians up on a pole during the dinner parties. Like he was absolutely deranged. It was not a good time for Christians. It was a scary time. It was a difficult time. It was a time where they were under intense persecution. And this is where Paul is writing from. He is under uh, uh, Emperor Nero and he's understanding kind of the atmosphere for Christians at this time. So he's writing this to Timothy and he is saying to him, uh, God has not given you a spirit of fear. He is trying to encourage him in the midst of suffering, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of the unknown to keep the faith keep going. You've got this. It's going to be okay. I recognize the suffering, but this is why we are in the midst of it. You see, this letter is written in such a personal way. He's writing to Timothy as a friend, as a co-worker, as a brother in Christ. It is such a personal letter and we get to be a part of that. We get to read this as scripture today. You see, right now we find ourselves uh, in a time of history where there is a lot of unknown. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of disappointment. What's going to happen next as we open up the economy, as we, as we start to go back to maybe a new normal and start heading into these stages? And what is this going to look like? And we don't know what the future holds. We don't know what things are going to look like as we go through this season. But, you know, for many of us, this feeling of the unknown and and feeling a little bit stuck is not something that is new to us since the beginning of this year or since a couple of months ago. Maybe it's something that you actually struggle with on a regular basis. Feelings of anxiety, feelings of depression, feelings of being overwhelmed and stressed out. You know, as a psychotherapist and a pastor, I have the privilege of walking with people through many different situations. You know, I get to see people in their highest highs and 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 walk through victories with people, but I also navigate with some people their most challenging seasons and and their greatest losses. But you know, the longer that I do this and the longer that I work with people, 
the more I see and recognize that every single person has a story. Everyone that you walk by, everybody in your life, everyone that you know has a story. You are not alone. If you are feeling like you are overwhelmed and you have things going on and you're dealing with different situations, you are not alone. You know, I have heard some pretty crazy things. I have heard some things that people have said, not much really shocks me anymore. But the thing is, is that most of them, most people are thinking about, a lot of people are thinking about and navigating. You are not alone in the challenges that you are facing. You know, whether you are tuning into this message and you are facing challenges surrounding mental illness or surrounding mental health, or you feel like, hey, this is not really me in this particular season. I I can't relate to this in this particular season. We all need to recognize that in different seasons, we face different challenges, but there is one who is steady through it all, and that is Jesus. He is the hope that we have. He is the one who we can put our trust and our assurance in today. We have hope in Jesus, and I'm excited to talk about what we can hold on to in that. You know, in this season, it's pretty common to head out to the garden centers and to to get outside your home and to plant some gardens and to do some things and, and to mow your lawn and to do all of this stuff. I'm Right now, I'm a little bit obsessed with gardening, to be honest. I'm a little bit obsessed. Uh, uh, Brandon has caught me on more than one occasion gazing out our front window at our garden that is in progress this year. I've already put in lots of hours and, and hard work to get this garden ready to go. And I'm just looking and I'm, I'm thinking about it and I'm thinking about getting the mulch and I'm thinking about doing these things and, and uh, uh, dreaming about what I'm going to put in this garden. I have like spent time on uh, Googling uh, what to plant and what not to plant for the sun and in certain soil and in certain positions and, and color schemes. Like it is a little bit crazy what I am doing right now. I'm a little bit obsessed with this idea of gardening. <clears throat> you know, when we moved into our current home two years ago, I had great hopes for this garden, okay? It was a little bit overgrown at the time. We moved in in the middle of summer. The people who were moving out didn't really care about the garden because they were moving. So I was excited to get my hands dirty in this garden. You know, at the time we had uh, a two-year-old, our oldest was two years old, uh, our, our next child, our son was nine months old, and little did I know, but when we moved into that house, I was already pregnant with our third child. So I went out one day and I was ripping out weeds left, right, and center. And I was trying to to get this garden cleaned up and I was pulling up all of the weeds. And shortly after that, I was like, why am I so exhausted? Well, I took a test and it turned out that baby number three was on the way. and, And so that garden really just did not get any attention for the rest of that summer. Well, listen, fast forward one year and last year with a two month old baby strapped on me, I was once again, extremely optimistic about this garden. The weeds were growing up and I was like, not today, Satan. And I got out there with our two month old daughter strapped on, two toddlers in tow, pulling out weeds, trying to get this garden worked out. Well, of course, as any parent knows, that was not going to work. There's no way I was going to be able to get that garden finished, plant the things that needed to be planted. And so once again, my dreams of a beautiful garden were dashed. It just wasn't going to happen. Again, 
the garden went on hold. Well, listen, I am here to tell you today that this is my year. I am not pregnant. Uh, our youngest child is now walking. So she is a little bit more self-sufficient. Uh, our, our two other ones are a little bit older. They know the boundaries. They're not gonna run onto the road while I am digging out weeds with the shovel, while I'm getting things prepared. This is our year. We are going to have the best garden on the block. And listen, our street is filled with individuals who are retired and have time on their hands to garden, but I'm up for the challenge, okay? I am taking this challenge on. We are going to have the best garden. I'm determined to have a beautiful garden in front of our house. But you know what? I have learned something with gardening and it's this, you have to weed it. You have to weed your garden. Even if you put in the most beautiful plants, even if you feel like you have gotten every root, even if it looks absolutely perfect, gardens take maintenance. They take weeding. This is how it's going to be as well if we are going to have victory over mental health, over our mental challenges, over the things that we are facing, over the moods, over the behaviors that we have. If we're going to have victory, it's going to take maintenance. 2 Timothy 1.7, as we read earlier, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You know, I love in the midst of that in the midst of so much challenge that that Paul was facing, that Timothy was facing. This is what he's writing. What wisdom this is that God has not given you that spirit of fear, regardless of your circumstance. God has not planted a spirit of fear in you. He has planted good fruit, power, love, and a sound mind. And yet, so often we can find ourselves riddled with anxiety and worry depression, stress, fear. And you know, the more that we think about these things, the more that we dwell on these things, the more we feel these things, sometimes the more we feel them. It becomes this vicious cycle of you becoming worried about the worry and afraid of the fear and anxious about the anxiety. And it all of a sudden becomes this negative cycle of feeling bad and not knowing how to get out of it and feeling absolutely powerless. It becomes a vicious cycle, but what gives? God has not given us this spirit, so why are we feeling these things as a society? Why are we navigating things at a, like this at a rate like never before? If this is not from God, why is it there? If I worked so hard to weed my garden, why do the weeds continue to grow? You see, Paul is reminding Timothy that even though the weeds are in his circumstances, the suffering of Christians, the uncertainty of what is ahead, that that is not from God, that that is not God's intention, that he lives in fear. See, we have to remind ourselves that God has given us good things and he has equipped us with the tools that we need for victory, but we need to actually do some of the work. We actually need to get our hands dirty in this process. So how do we have victory over the challenges that we face in our life, over the weeds? I wanna give you three really quick points because we need to recognize what is in our hands. The first is this, we need to recognize that we have power in our hands. God has given us power and I liken this to our behavior. We have power in what we choose to do and what we choose not to do. We have power in our actions. How are you behaving today, church? You know, someone asked me, quite some time ago now, how do you spend your days? How do you spend your days? 
And I absolutely love the way that they phrase this question. And I have picked it up and I ask people this all the time. How do you spend your days? Because I would find that I would ask people like, what do you do? And this immediately got tied to people's uh, work status, their job title. And I would see one of two reactions take place. I would either see someone take a lot of pride in what they do and be excited to share about it and tell me details about what they do for a living and what that looks like and all of this, or I would see shame fall over someone and they would start making excuses for what they do. They would start saying, oh yeah, you know, I, I work at this restaurant, but you know, I'm probably not going to be there forever. I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go back to school or I'm going to do this, or I might apply for this or, uh, oh, I'm, I'm just a mom. I just stay at home. You know, I'm with my kids and you know, they're crazy lots to do. And, and there would be almost this, a, a reasoning away this job title of what they did. And I'm like, I don't care what your job title is. I want to know more about you. I love this question. How do you spend your days? Because I think if we actually ask ourselves this today, church, how do I spend my days? It gives us a good indicator of our behavior. Is our behavior helping us or is our behavior hurting us? You see, for a lot of us, when we uh, look at our days, we actually overestimate the amount of time that we are doing things productive and beneficial for us or the people people around us. And we underestimate how much time we are spending uh, just kind of feeding into things that are not helpful, that we are, are, are doing things that are not good for us, that we are, are being lazy, that we are just kind of sitting around, that we are preoccupied with scrolling social media, watching Netflix, playing video games, doing all of these other things that might actually not be giving us as much benefit as we think that they are. So how do you spend your days? How do, you how do you spend your time? What does your behavior actually look like? Are you hitting the basics of healthy behavior? I think this is important to come to time and time again during this season of the coronavirus because so many of us are spending more time at home maybe than ever before. And are you sleeping? Are you getting your sleep? Are you eating well? Are you exercising? Are you taking time to take care of yourself? Are you spending time with people that you love, maybe over social media, maybe over FaceTime, maybe over Zoom, maybe in person in your home? How are you spending your time? Are you choosing to engage in negative behaviors? Are you overeating? Are you lusting through the use of pornography? Are you drinking too much? Are you yelling at your spouse or your kids? Are you cheating on your taxes? Are you just wasting all of your energy going into things that are draining you rather than filling you? See, we actually have power in our behavior. And if we're going to navigate and have victory over our mental health and have victory over the things that we are uh, uh, feeling and thinking and doing, we need to recognize that our behavior gives us insight into this. We have choice and power in what we choose to do and what we choose not to do. And we need to start to recognize what are we doing? How do we spend our days? How do we spend our time? This is reflective of what's going on on the inside. But church, we have power over this and there is hope. The second one is this love. We have love. Love, it, it, it's our emotions. God has given us really this incredible emotion of love, but God has given us so many emotions. But you know, oftentimes shame is attached to our emotions and shame is very simply put as this. It is something that we feel we have done or haven't done that keeps us from authentic relationships with other people. You see, when we wear shame around, it affects how we feel. It affects how we judge our feelings and what we are, we are navigating on the inside. 
Shame is what puts us on the bench in the game of life because it's how we believe we have performed and what we deserve. You see, shame is often connected to fear and guilt, but we do not have a spirit of fear that is God-given. That is not from God. And the reason it's not from God is because we have grace. Paul talks about this to Timothy in verse 9 of the same chapter. He talks to us of grace being revealed to us through Jesus. This is the free and unmerited favor of God that no matter what you have done, no matter what you have felt, no matter where you have been, no matter what your past looks like, no matter what you have thought, you can receive God's grace today and step into this love for yourself, for others, and for God. It's an incredible way to live your life when we can get a handle on how we feel and recognize that, hey, a feeling is a feeling, but God wants us to be able to have victory over over our feelings. That, that a feeling is just that. It is a feeling. And if we allow ourselves to feel it and allow it to move from our lives and allow the work of the Holy Spirit to come in, recognize that we don't have to be ruled by our feelings, we can actually find freedom. The third is this, a sound mind. God has given us in our hand power. He has given us love and he has given us a sound mind. We have the ability to be disciplined in our mind. Listen, we have to take control of our thinking if we are going to have victory in mental illness. God has given us a sound mind and we need to hold on to that truth. You see, a thought is just a thought, church. Sometimes we can get so freaked out by our thoughts. Does anyone else think this way? And we start overthinking and overanalyzing and ruminating and going over and over and over again. And it becomes this big thing. It becomes this all or nothing thinking. We get riddled with assumptions. This person must be thinking that about me. And if they think that, then that means this. And then I have to do this. And then what if that happens? And then this person's going to think this about me. And then I can't please this person over here. And then what am I going to do? And how can God use me? Maybe it's better if I just shrink back and I just stay away from it all. And I, I just pull back from this. And and then we start to feel anxious about our thoughts. And we have to recognize that God has given us a sound mind. We don't have to carry around fear. We don't have to carry around anxiety. We don't have to carry on overthinking and ruminating and people pleasing. God has given us a peace that surpasses all understanding. And we can grab onto that today, church. We need to be able to process our thoughts with other people. See, God has given us uh, people that can come around us and come alongside us. I encourage you, get in a group where you can talk about the things that are going on in your mind, the things that you are struggling with, the things you're wrestling with. Talk to a trusted friend. Be able to process some of this out loud. Go see a therapist. Cross that bridge. I know that can be scary. I know that can be awkward, but it is such an important thing to be doing. Whether you feel like you're healthy or you're facing some really difficult things in your life right now, go and see somebody because you can start to work out these thoughts and it's a space that is just for you to be able to do that in. Don't try to do life alone. Don't try to work these thoughts out alone. It's so easy to get stuck when we try to do things alone. Bring other people in. You see, these are the truths that we get to hang on to. This is the truth that Paul was telling Timothy so many years ago, that God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and of a sound mind. You see, regardless of your circumstance or your challenge, you can have victory in our behavior, in your thinking, in your feelings, 
Because our spirit is not one of fear, we actually have a different spirit inside of us as Christians, and that is the Holy Spirit. This is a game changer. We don't have to carry around fear and timidity, anxiety, worry, depression, obsessive thoughts, compulsions, disordered eating, panic, or hatred. We get to have the Holy Spirit and look to the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But listen, church, having the Holy Spirit doesn't mean that we won't suffer. Paul talks about this. In verses 9 to 12, he says that this message of Jesus is why he is suffering. I mean, he is in jail as he writes this letter. He recognizes that God has entrusted him with a message, but that doesn't mean that it will be easy. Just because we are Christians does not mean that we will be free from all suffering and free from all challenges. It means that our hope is not placed in our circumstance. Our hope is placed on things above. Our victory does not come from ourselves. It does not just come from pulling enough weeds. You know, church, I pulled weeds for two years straight. I pulled weeds for both of those summers, but that did not mean that I had a beautiful garden to look out to just because I pulled weeds. Our victory comes from our source being in Jesus, that we are attached to him as the vine so that we may produce good fruit. We need to recognize what he has put in us and continue to focus on that while not neglecting and ignoring the challenge. You see, God isn't calling us to be avoidant today to our hardships and just sweeping them under the rug. We're going to keep tripping over those time and time again. He is calling us to pull out those weeds of poor behavior, negative emotions, detrimental thinking. He's asking us to pull those weeds out, to be aware of them, to bring them to the forefront today and to do the work necessary. And he is calling us to reclaim the power of the Holy Spirit that he has given us. So listen, this victory over mental illness challenges that we're facing, over the moods and behaviors and thoughts that we have is twofold. And I'm closing with this. It is doing what we can do with the help of the Holy Spirit. We need to recognize that there are things we can do that the Holy Spirit has equipped us to do and that we can start walking at. That's the first one. But then it's also trusting in God in the things that we can. It's recognizing that God does the work and we just meet him there. Even in the midst of this crazy season, I wanna proclaim over you, leaning into this message today, that God has not given you a spirit of fear. He has given you love, he has given you power, and he has given you a sound mind. He has given you the ability to think. He has given you the ability to feel. He has given you the ability to behave in a way that honors and glorifies him. Don't go at this alone. Don't try to do it on your own. Trust in the Holy Spirit to do the work in you. Do what you can, bring people around you, and we are going to see victory when it comes to our mental health. I encourage you to hold on to that truth today. Well, listen, Serve City, maybe you're watching this right now and you're tuning in and you're going, how can I have that relationship with Jesus? What does that actually look like to have the Holy Spirit inside of me? You know, it's very simple. Uh, the Bible says that if we believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord and confess with our mouth, we will be saved. It's a pretty incredible thing to have a relationship with Jesus and recognize that we don't have to go at this alone, that we can have victory because Jesus has already been victorious. 
So listen, if you're here and you're listening and you're going, I want that relationship, I very simply want to pray with you today. Wherever you're at, why don't you just close your eyes right now? Everyone listening, everyone tuning in. And if you're saying, I want that relationship with Jesus, would you just respond and say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I'm making that decision today. Yes, Lord, I want to follow you today. And very simply, I want to pray with you. With every eye closed and head bowed, why don't we pray together, church? Jesus, I thank you for every decision being made in so many different spaces, in so many different places. God, I thank you that you are king. Jesus, that you would come and die for our sins, that you would rise again so that we could have relationship with you, so that we could be made whole. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are entering in now. God, and you are making so many people whole and new, God. Jesus, I thank you for this relationship that we get to have with you. I praise you for these decisions being made. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, listen, that is the best decision you could ever make. So excited that you would make that choice today. And don't just leave it there. Make sure that you get connected with Serve City. Make sure that you get connected with somebody at Serve City. They would love to have a conversation with you. They would love to get to know you. They would love to answer any questions that you might have. But listen, maybe you're tuning into this message and I wanna pray for one more group of people. And maybe you're saying, hey, I need to have victory over mental health. I need to have victory over the challenges that I face with my mind, with my, my feelings, with my behavior. And I need to see some breakthrough today. I believe that you can have that today. I believe that we have power over the challenges that we face through the Holy Spirit. And I believe that God wants to do the work that we can't do ourselves. I wonder if you would pray with me today with every eye closed and every head bowed, if you are saying, hey, I need prayer for this. I need breakthrough today. I need victory today in this area. Would you just stretch a hand toward your screen wherever you're at and I am going to pray for you today. Jesus, I thank you so much, Lord, that you can break chains that bind us. God, right now I pray against anxiety, against depression, against stress, Lord, against behaviors that are unhealthy, addiction, God. We just pray right now in Jesus' name that there would be chains broken off people's lives today who are tuning in, who are listening in, who have come across this message, God. And I pray right now, Lord, that we would just see revival in the hearts and the spirits of individuals that serve City, God. That, that that mental illness would not be something that has to be struggled with any longer, God. I pray that individuals would come into other people's lives, Lord, that we would have our eyes open to the people around us who are struggling and we could be a light, God, that we could journey with them, that we could journey alongside and point them to you. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your life-changing work, that you care so deeply about us that you would come and strengthen us, God, that we can be attached to the source, Lord. So today I just pray for absolute breakthrough and victory, God, as we navigate this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, thank you so much, Serve City, for having me here today. So glad I could be with you. Such an incredible thing that we have technology like this and that we can uh, come together in this way. Listen, I am praying for you. We're excited for you as a church, excited for you as individuals, and I hope that you have an absolutely incredible rest of your day.